0: This program does not provide medical advice. We assume no liability for the information provided on MindForce Radio. Please consult your physician before beginning any exercise or nutrition program. If you need an
1: honest strength coach who is the real deal, contact Bob at webstrengthcoach.com.
2: Direct from mind force radio this is natural strength night with maximum bob on natural strength night we don't talk about the other things bob likes to talk about tonight we only talk strength training When I say strength training, I don't mean training like punk-ass goons in the muscle magazines who jacked up on juice, steroids, and PEDs. I mean natural strength. Strength built on good food, heavy weights, and no shortcuts. If you want to learn about real natural strength, weight training the right way, the old school way, stick around. Bob and his friends just might teach you something.
1: He's here,
0: the host of Natural Strength Night, Maximum Bob Whalen. Tonight, our guest is one of the top natural bodybuilders in the world, Ian Duckett. I've been watching Ian's career with great respect for over 20 years. The guy has so many titles in natural bodybuilding that if I read them all, it would take all day. But just to name a few, his titles include Natural Mr. Britain. A natural world's win, a natural master's win, Mr. Muscle Mania Europe, the NPA pro title, and the UNBN world title. And the list goes on and on. And these are just the bodybuilding titles. He has also won many natural powerlifting contests as well. Ian his lifetime, steroid and PED free and he gives rock-solid information you can take to the bank. He has written several great e-books and also has a brand-new book coming out, too. He will be telling us about it on the show. Please visit Ian's website at bodyindesign.co.uk. That's bodyindesign.co.uk. And Ian, welcome to Natural Strength Night
3: thank you that's that's awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me Bob.
0: Oh, you're welcome and Ian, before we get started with the training questions, uh, please tell us about your great new book and how people can order it.
3: I'm just in the uh, the latter stages of, of producing the book. Um, I've produced quite a few um ebooks as you mentioned which uh, which are available uh, through my site um, but this one is is a a, a printed book you know I'll, I have a book in your hand, which I haven't done for quite a while. The last time I did a, a book, you know, a printed book was uh, 1995. So I'm really excited about producing this book. Um, it's based on. Uh, it's called Old, Old but Strong, <laughs> like myself. And it's, uh, it's a book which is which is based mainly on um, how to keep doing what we love doing. If I've trained, I've trained for a long, long time, and obviously I've learned as I go along, that you can't carry on doing what you did when you were younger. So there's obviously there's there's lots of ways to keep training and to keep progressing as we get older, and that's the basis of the book. It's it's more of a um, a mind book of how to keep doing what you, you, you love doing, really. What's the title of the new book again? It's called Old But Strong, and it'll be available Old probably in about six strong. weeks, that's at, the, at the very latest six weeks. Yep, it'll be available for myself and also be available on Amazon.
0: That's great. How old were you when you first got interested in weight training, and how did you get started?
3: Now, um, I've always been interested in, in exercise. Um, from being 10 year old, I used to do a lot of running and a lot of things like press-ups and, and things like that. Um, and then one day I was, um, can I say, bunking off school. Should have been at school, and I wasn't. And... Um, <laughs> I would, instead of getting into trouble when I saw some some police, believe it or not, they obviously you know would would round you up and get you back in school. Uh, I ran into the library. Now at, at that age, um, you know you couldn't get me to read a book for love and the money, you know. And now I'm surrounded <laughs> yeah. by books. I love books. Now yeah. uh, as I went in the library and I was hiding in there away from the police, so they didn't get me and take <laughs> me back to school. I uh, I saw up upon the shelves a book on uh, a bodybuilder, and I took this hmm. this book down, and I started reading through it, and instantly decided that's what I wanted to do, and that day, I went home, and I started training, and uh, wow. I was 14 at that point, and, uh, and I've never stopped. Wow, do so you remember what the name paranoid. of that book was? Um, yes, it was, um, I think it was the, um, let me tell you, I'll actually tell you, Unleashing the Wild wow Physique.
0: By Vince Gironda.
3: It was yes.
0: How old were you when you got your first weight set?
3: Um, I didn't get a weight set till I was probably fifteen or sixteen. Um, so I had oh, okay. to train with um, bricks and and things, and uh, you know do chin ups on the trees outside. And and eventually I I got to um, train in the the local boys club, which was a boxing club, and they had some makeshift weights in there which which I used. Um, and I started competing when I was 15, 16, and then I competed hmm. probably for about 27 years, um, non-stop, really, competing every year two or three times.
0: Yeah, I, I, f- I first discovered you and Hardgainer about 20 years ago, and I've been following you ever since. Thank you. Yeah, who were some of your favorite early role models?
3: Right, from, basically from the word go, I would say my favorite bodybuilders have been um, Vince Gronda, obviously, um, awesome physique, brilliant shape. Um, I've still got the book on the on, on my uh, my table, Vince Garonda's book, um uh, which I bought when I could afford my own. Um Bill Pearl has been a huge influence uh in in everything really. Nutrition, um business. he's he just he's just an absolutely awesome guy and um he's got one of those physiques which uh which I just love. He looks strong. Uh, He's lean enough, and um, he's a real man's man, does that that make sense?
0: Yeah, Bill's a great guy.
3: He's unbelievable. Years later, when I owned a gym, I used to run a magazine called Natural Press. It was through the 90s, and I was doing an interview about Bill Pearl through Leo Stern. And um, we we back and forth with letters through Leo Stern, and then one day a letter came through the post from Bill Pearl, and he'd answered, a lot of the questions which I was going to Leo with, uh, and about an hour after I received the letter, I got a phone call, and it was Bill Pearl. I couldn't believe it; I nearly, uh, <laughs> I nearly dropped to the floor because obviously a hero of mine, and I was making this article on him, and he chatted to me for a good length of time. I can tell you the workout I had that day was just one of those you never forget. I was so yeah, awesome. and so excited that I talked to him.
0: Ian, what were some of the Early training mistakes that you made when you first started training, and how did you overcome them?
3: As youngsters tend to do, I did far too much. Um, I would train every day, sometimes twice, three times a day. So to give you an example, I I would do something before I went to school, and uh, you know I would do some either I'd do some running, do some press ups, do some chin ups. Um, what little bits of exercise equipment I had in my bedroom, because eventually I got like things like uh, a ball worker and um, you know like the power springs thing and and you know bits and bobs like that, and I would just use train on those. I would go to school. Um, they, uh, they eventually got some weights at school. Uh, this is when I started going now to school because obviously they got some weights now, and I was I had an interest now, um, yep. and I would do some weights at the lunchtime, uh, and then I would uh, run home, and then I'd do some more training. And then if, if the boys' club was open that night, I'd go to the boys' club and do some training there. So I, would, I was constantly doing exercise, which um, developed a, a lean physique, but I would, have, I would have grown a lot more, you know, as a youngster if I hadn't I'd done too much. I was never giving myself a rest. I was never giving myself right. any recovery.
0: Right. That's probably the most common mistake that beginners make Absolutely, as they overtrain. And but in your early days, did you know very much about nutrition?
3: do you know i was I was one of these kids what um what ate really clean um I was into eating fruit nuts um salads and very healthy healthy foods from an early age there was there was one point in my life uh, i think I was eight years old, and um, I had to have a couple of teeth out, and that was through eating sweets up to eight years old and because of the pain and the association of that with a dentist. And because I didn't want to go back to the dentist again, I never ate another sweet until I was about 25 or 6. I just wow. stopped eating sweets completely. So for a youngster to be able to do that, I, I, you know, that there was just some dedication there. You know, and I thought, you know, and I ate really well. I did eat really, really good. My granddad was um, was Latvian, and he had an early um, influence on my eating habits because my granddad would eat, you know, really good good foods it was there was a lot of pickles and things in there you know the gherkins and sauerkraut and things like that but he also ate lots of like good wholesome breads and stews and uh, eggs and cold cuts and um, you know fish and and things and he he was a good influence um, on on my nutrition you know from a young age really because he had a very very powerful physique.
0: Don't you have a personal training business also?
3: Yes yes I've run a personal training business for um, Oh, a number of years, I used to own a a very large gymnasium, it was 10,000 square feet Uh, and I owned that with my wife for many years and then from there I moved into uh, personal training businesses like yourself which was like a one-on-one gym and I've had probably three of those. Over these last um, sort of two or three years I've I've sort of semi-retired now which which we'll come to that sort of later on and, and why I've done that and um, and i work from home now i've had a gym built at home Um which is only a small it's only as you know a, a small affair it's only a very small gym but for what i do one-to-one it's ideal it's ideal for working at home and my my large gym a really big gym was was called um i never said body in design then which is the business i have now it was called future bodies now we run that for a number of years and it was in a big old mill you know you can imagine england with the old mills It was a big old, um, I think it was a big old carpet mill, like a textile mill. So it had that sort of old, raw look to it. It, I kept the the gym very, very clean. It had um, uh, solid uh, wooden floors where there'd been huge machines in there. So you could see there was was strength in the building. And um, I filled it with um, power racks. It took a long time to, to do that. It took a long time to build the business up. Um, you know, probably 10 years before we had all the equipment we wanted in it. We started with the bare basics, but we had like, you know, two or three power racks. Uh, and we had, you know, like heavy duty leg presses and pull downs and some hammer type machines. Uh, enough dumbbells to sink a battleship, enough plates to sink a battleship. Um, it was a really (laughs) good, if I dare say it, it was probably one of the best real gyms in the country. We used to get people coming from all over the country uh, and even from abroad to come and, and, and train at our gym because it was uh, the atmosphere was just seeped into the building. The, with it being a, a huge mill, the owner wanted to make it into apartments. It was at that period of time when um, throughout England, all these old properties were being made into apartments. It was big, big money, and so we were squeezed out of our um, you know tenancy really. So from that with. What money I had had saved, and through the sale of the equipment from the gym, I opened personal training gyms, and I moved from you know one unit to another as 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 I got either uh, you know better uh, a better facility or a a better you know property to move into. So I owned probably two or three personal training gyms that way, and the personal training business uh, at one point was absolutely huge. You know, I was mentioning to a, a client earlier today that you know now I probably only train maybe. 20 hours a week, maybe 20 covers where I've trained, you know, people, you know, for 20 hours. Whereas back in the day when I was really working the business really hard, I might do 65 clients a week, um, you know, mm-hmm. at least, you know, so it was earning really good money at, the, at that point, but, you know, th- things change.
0: Tell us about the stuff you have now in your home, Jim, and how that's going.
3: I only have the, the bare basics of equipment. I've got, like, yeah, a power rack, which I do. 70% of the work in there. Uh, I've also got on the outs- outside of my home gym, we've got a little um, paved area with a half-power rack, um, which which has got a thick bars in it and your barbell and everything. And to be honest, even though the weather's terrible out here, a lot of the work is <laughs> done outside in the, in the yard. Wow. You know, we were overlooking fields and that at the back of this gym, and there's horses and that in it. Um, you know, and it, I'm not in a really rural area. It, well, you know, I'm off... Couple of the main sort of um, the roads in the UK with the M62 and the M1, and um, but the the area at the back of me there's there's a lot of fields and it's really nice so you get lots of uh, lots of fresh air and the people uh, I train actually don't mind training outside. The very hardcore trainers, you know, the the people who would, you know, come hell or high water, they they'll, they'll be here to train. Uh, you know, uh, people just don't cancel on me because it'll be the last thing to cancel. Does <laughs> that make sense?
0: <laughs> that's good. Who are some of the people that helped mold your your bodybuilding career and your training philosophy in your later years?
3: Oh, that that's an easy one. Uh, when we had the big gym, uh, that was back in the 90s. We opened in early 90, 90 1990, 1991, and, and throughout the Hard Gainer magazines, which I did a little bit of writing for myself. Obviously, uh, reading your articles, which were fantastic, um there was okay. obviously Bill uh, Bill Pearl. There was Brooks Cubic. Now, Brooks Mm -hmm. Kubik has been a huge, huge influence, and still is to this day, on the way that my uh, direction of training took. Up to starting to read Brooks Kubik's work, I did the general normal bodybuilding. I still did squats, and I still did the deadlifts and and things, albeit not too heavy, Um, but there was a lot of isolation work there as well for competitions. But my body took on a huge change, um, probably about 94, 95, up to 99 when I started using, through Brooks' influence, thick bars, thick dumbbells, um, we did we did the proper dinosaur type work. Um, we used sandbags. We had um, you know the torpedoes with handles welded to them for farmers' walks. We we had um, you know everything now which is in as we uh, you know as we speak everything now is is thick bars into and 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 uh, you know functional training. Well, we had that back in our gym back in the, the early 90s in our big gym, and I've still got that to this day. I've still got the thick bars. I've still got a lot of the old, you know, like off my power rack in the gym that I have here, I have, you know, really thick rope hung off it for doing chins and things on. So I'm big into, you know, what Brooks-Cubic advocated and still does to this day, Um, and it changed my direction for training in so that I had a different look when I competed, a little bit thicker look, a little bit stronger look, and in... um, when I used to compete, people you always used to comment about, about my back and my hamstrings. Oh, what do you do for your hmm. hamstrings? And people would say, you know, expect me to say, well, I do so many drop sets of a leg curl and then I might do standing leg curls or I'll do a cable movement. No, all I did for hamstrings was not a leg curl at all. All I ever did was deadlifts. I need to hamstrings enough on it. What's
0: your current routine like, Ian? Like, how many days a week do you train? You know, how many exercises, sets, and reps, etc.? Uh,
3: I generally uh, train, you know, three days a week. Oof. Very rare do I do more than that. Um, and I've done that for most of my training career. Odd times, I've maybe done four days a week if I've had to work maybe, you know, uh, a week of body part towards a competition or something like that. Um, but my, my training is is basically three days a week. Now, uh, with me getting ready for a powerlifting competition, I'm just focusing on, obviously, the the main movements, your squats, your deadlift, and your bench press. So I've got a squat day, a deadlift day, and a bench day. Um, So I've got day one, which is a squat day, uh, and I would do my squats and do them, like, on a percentage-type system where I'd work, you know, at 60%, 65%, 70%, you know, and I'd work... Work like that over a period of so many weeks, and then stepping it back. Um, then I would do, you know, some leg presses or some just some front squats. So I don't generally do too much. You know, there might be three exercises on a squat day. Let's say, for instance, squats, leg press. As long as I've got the, the squats out of the way, the other stuff is just, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, just the add-ons, just to help me squat better right. and be stronger.
0: It's like the cherry on top.
3: <laughs> Absolutely, yes, yes, it is. So, so, for instance, on like a deadlift, I would do you know p- p- my percentage work on my deadlift, and then I would do chins. I've always done chins. Chins are a really good strong movement for me, and um, and then I'd do some type of row, either a dumbbell row, bent over row, or a hammer row. And I, you know, I do, you know, I, I try and mix up the reps a little bit as well. So on the on the um, the deadlift, the power stuff is obviously it's it's lower end. It's it's not more than you know, three to six reps on, on those percentage works. But on the uh, the main exercises, I'll mix and match them. Sometimes on chins, I'll do sets of five. Sometimes I'll do sets of 12. Uh, sometimes I'll do a mix and adding weight up. I might do a set of 12 with a certain weight on, put a bit more weight on, do a a set of nine, put a bit more weight on, do a set of six. You know, for the rows, I might keep that static and do sets of 15. So I'll chop and change the, the, the repetitions around a little bit because... Even though I'm powerlifting, I'm still wanting to build some tissue. And i found that over the years, that if, if I just keep it to the really low end work, i.e. just the really low reps, what happens is, is I end up looking stocky, but I don't actually your muscles look a little bit flatter. And it always reminds me of, uh, of a, an article, or, or it might even be in Vince Caronda's book, where he said um, Reg Park used to train on the 5x5 five five system. And it wasn't until he started adding some quality work, i.e. a little bit higher reps, that his body took on a transformation. And I've seen that in myself a lot. When I'm getting ready for just a powerlifting competition and only powerlifting, and only doing the basics and low reps, my body can weigh the same, but it looks nowhere near the same as when I started adding a few auxiliary work in, you know, a few reps here and there. Uh, and that stimulates the muscle a little bit more. So you obviously get... A lot of capillary growth, and you get a lot of where your body is being sapped of glycogen, and then because you're sapping it of glycogen, your body builds a little bit more storage to store a little bit more in, and so on and so on. So you, you, the quality of the muscle comes, the roundness comes to the muscle a little bit more. So what I've done with this program I've got now for the powerlifting, I'm keeping it the bare basics of the auxiliary moves, um, but what I'm wanting to do is also make sure that I'm I'm strong throughout and that the muscles have got no weak points and that I'm nice and full and strong all over. So I'm carrying a little bit of tissue as well.
0: Tell us a little bit about your powerlifting, Ian, and some of the, the contests that you've won.
3: Um, I basically have won a few regional competitions, uh, which you can only compete in your area. My, my area here is called Yorkshire and Northeast, and uh, I can compete you know, within probably a, a two-hour radius of, of my home. And, and they hold quite a few little, you know, regional meets. And what you do then is you've got to get a qualifying total. And I think my qualifying total for a Masters uh, 2 I'm in at the moment is 375 for a 75-kilo. So 375-kilo for a 74-kilo athlete. And that's the class I'm in at the moment. So I know on a good day I can do 480-ish. Uh, 500. If, if you know I'm really strong and healthy, and what's what's been winning at the present uh, uh, for that class has been between 460 and 480. So if I can keep strong over the next six or seven weeks and keep injury free, I'll be in with a good shout of the uh, the Masters British, which is in um, middle of March. So I'm really looking mm. forward to that and I've been training towards that. Now a few years ago I competed. In powerlifting and I actually came second in the, in the British finals and I've won quite a few regional ones I couldn't actually name them I just go and do them Um yeah I do enjoy powerlifting um in between sort of doing things for bodybuilding you know it, it's, a, it's a passion as well and I do like yeah I love the bodybuilding but bodybuilding has been secondary to, to health and strength I've always loved to be uh, to be strong and for my size, you know, even when I was really, really young and really little, um, I've always had a, an above-average strength for my size. So I think everybody I've trained with, you know, training partners have always been a lot, lot bigger guys, you know, the six-foot guys, and they've been really heavy and strong people. So it's actually pulled my strength up as well.
0: And Ian, you look extremely cut and defined in your recent pictures. Please tell us <laughs> about how you did that. Was it... A change in your training or your nutritional program, or how did you get so ripped?
3: That, actually, getting really lean for me is, is not hard to do. Um, th- the opposite, and actually putting some weight on, actually uh, trying to get fat is hard for me to do. The reason being is all through my years of competing and all my life, I have had this philosophy of always eating clean. So, if, uh, my one of my sayings is, if if you if you want to be lean, don't get fat in the first place. So that's one of my things is I never never get out of shape. So I constantly eat clean, and I have done since I've been very very young. Now, if I want to pull in a bit of condition, i.e. for a photo shoot, which I decided I'd do for my 50th birthday, and plus obviously have some photos for for the up and coming book, um, it was coming up to my 50th birthday, so I thought, right, what I'll do is I'll, I'll lean out my diet a little bit more and come in, you know, nice and sharp for, for some photos and s- see what I can bring in. Now, all I do there is, is all I do is cut down my carbohydrates a little bit. Now, a lot of people would find this, you know, oh, I can't understand why you don't count macros and things. I don't count calories. I don't count macros. Um, it, it's a really simple diet. This is how I do it, right? And I do this with clients as well. So, basically, I set out a baseline, foods I like to eat, and foods I eat, uh, eat day in, day out. So I've got like a baseline there, and it might be, you know, oats and eggs for breakfast. It might be uh, fruit and nuts mid-morning. At lunchtime might be chicken uh, uh fish or turkey um, with a rice or baked potato. Then mid-afternoon might be, um, you know, fruit and nuts again. Um, uh, evening might be turkey or steak or fish, salmon. Um, again, rice, vegetables. Um, I have veg with every, every meal in the main meals, as is, and then supper might be eggs or something. Again, now once I've got this like base eating plan mapped out, this is what I'm eating at the present, and this will maintain my weight. All I do is, as the weeks go along, is I just trickle a little, a little bit of carbohydrates away. Now I don't like meticulously put a potato on the. Um, on the, the scales and, and start to weigh it and measure it, all I'll do is the average sized potato what I normally eat, it just cut some off it. I'll just cu- cut it up and just put a smaller one in. If I've been having a couple of scoops of rice, I'll just reduce it. If I've been having so many so much so much oats in a bowl, well, as the weeks go on, that bowl just gets smaller. It's as simple hmm. as that. As I get That's further great. along with my diet, what I do then is because I don't want my calories to take too much of a dive and for me to lose muscle, I start to replace the carbohydrates with more fats. I.e., I'll put in... Right, I've got the same meal there as chicken and vegetables, but there's hardly any carbs there now all, if any. I'll put olive oil on them. I will put add nuts to it. I will add coconut oil. Anything which is giving me good, healthy fats to keep my calories up. And um, it's as simple as that. Once I get to a level where I'm thinking, do you know what, I'm looking really quite lean now, and if I go any further, I'm going to start to look stringy. All I do then is just start to put the carbs back in a little bit, each of the meals. It, you know, it might take me weeks to build it up again, but a little bit more oats for breakfast, I might start adding a potato back at that meal, I might start, and I'll just keep it like that, just trickle it, trickle it out, and trickle it back in, and it's as simple as, uh, I don't do anything these which people find hard to, uh, hard to grasp.
0: Do you find that eating protein early in the day helps to keep your appetite under control?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, once I've got like, really fine into the the eating plan, and I'm having basically a, a, you know quite a few eggs in the morning, uh, you know it might be you know eggs and, and nuts or something like that. You know, I try and keep the fats really high towards you know the tail end of of being in shape. But when I say getting in shape, I'm, I'm probably lost for that photo shoot. Four or five pounds, that's all. You know, I'm generally quite right. lean. At the moment now I'm not, not, not as lean as that because I've actually put more weight on purposely. But even so, even though I've gained probably fourteen pounds from those photos which 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 you've seen, I might be fourteen pounds heavier but I'm still lean. I'm still fairly lean. Yes. I've still got veins in my arms, I've still got separations <laughs> in my legs. Um, you know, it's because I don't I don't get fat, I've always kept a, a good a good look you know, about me. And because because mainly I think, um, you know, with bodybuilding, for me, it's always been more health conscious than anything else. I wouldn't risk, right. risk um, you know, being overweight and being unhealthy. I've never, never liked, you know, well, I've never done it, so I've always kept in good shape.
0: Yeah, I've never seen you not lean and not in good shape. But now you. you're at a whole new level. You make Clarence Bass proud.
3: Thank you. Now, this all came about because um, back in the 90s, my favourite look, to be honest, is not being quite as lean, but being lean enough, i.e. the Bill Pearl right. pictures. Because Bill Pearl mm-hmm. was never super ripped, but he was lean, lean enough, but still looked big and strong. So my favourite mm-hmm. look throughout all my career has probably been in 99 when I won the Europe. And some of those pictures you saw in the old hard Hardiners was that when I felt I was at my prime. I was 33, 34. I was... I felt big and I felt strong and I felt lean, just lean enough. But as the years mm-hmm. went, went on in competition in natural bodybuilding, you see, you're only left with, you, there isn't really that many huge natural bodybuilders. So what they have to go with is enough size and shape and obviously balance throughout the body. But then what happens is, um, as, as time has gone on, people have got into more condition. So, you know, the, the style of competition has gone condition, condition, condition. And as I got into my 40s, then I had to really pull in the condition even more to the point of where you had striations on top of striations. When I won the, the World Championships at 44, 45, I think I, think I might have been, uh, 2007, it might have been 43, um, striations in my glutes and, well, striations everywhere, so ripped that your skin's so thin. And that's the look they was wanting. If I'd not come in in that look, um, I wouldn't have won won the competitions. I know that for sure. Mm -hmm.
0: We'll be back with more right after this.
4: This segment brought to you by VitalNutritionStore.com Did you know that more than 7 million Americans suffer from coronary heart disease, the most common form of heart disease? Regardless of your age or condition, adding Cardio for Life to your daily regime will dramatically improve your cardiovascular condition. Cardio for Life has been the top-selling enlarginine product in the marketplace now for more than three years. It is also the top-selling product at VitalNutritionStore.com. Formulated by Dr. Harry Elward, the best-selling author of Let's Stop the Number One Killer of Americans Today, Dr. Harry believes together we can prevent and reverse heart disease. Cardio for Life comes in three wonderful flavors, orange, peach, and grape, and is gluten-free, sugar-free, and sodium-free. Please see our complete line of natural products at vitalnutritionstore.com. That's V-I-T-A-L nutritionstore.com.
1: Randy Roach shocked the world with the release of his first volume of Muscle Smoke and Mirrors several years ago. It was a masterpiece of over 500 pages with such in-depth research and detail that it was not only surprising, but shocking and mind-blowing. It was truly one of the best Iron Game history books ever written. He followed that with Volume 2, another epic book with over 700 pages of equal depth and detail. All serious Iron Game fans need to have these books. Please visit Randy's website at randyroach.ca. That's
5: R-A-N-D-Y-R-O-A-C-H dot C-A. Listen to how Iron Game legend and the Iron Master editor Osmo Kehaw describes the book Supernatural Strength. Have you ever wondered how much real world experience authors have when they write books about weight training? Who is that person behind the computer? What do they really know about the Iron Game? If you picked up this book, Supernatural Strength, you have definitely come to the right place. The author, Bob Whalen, has spent several decades in the Iron Game trenches, training himself, competing and coaching in powerlifting, earning academic credentials too numerous to mention, and thousands of hours of training and instructing athletes and trainees of all levels at his Washington, D.C. gym since 1990. He's not only devoted his life to motivating and pushing people to heights they have never been to, but elevating the trainees' understanding why certain methods work better than others. Bob is one of the most respected and revered trainers in the business today. This book is sure to surprise and amaze you at the same time. Order now at SupernaturalStrength.com. That's SupernaturalStrength.com. Don't you think it would be so much easier getting into shape if you had a personal coach, just like all the celebrities
2: do? Well, now you can. Bob Whalen of webstrengthcoach.com wants to get you out of your rut and coach you to success. He's dedicated to helping you achieve your strength and fitness goals through your hard work and his expert guidance. Bob will help you with strength training, muscle building, fitness, nutrition, and motivation. He'll make sure you achieve your maximum physical potential. You can get one-on-one training with Bob through his website, webstrengthcoach.com. He will develop a personalized program tailored to your individual needs, a program right for you. Bob will give you feedback after every workout. This is old school fitness and nutrition, no fads and no gimmicks. Bob will use proven natural techniques to make sure you are satisfied. So visit webstrengthcoach.com today and let Bob help you reach your best self. webstrengthcoach.com.
1: Do you enjoy history without social engineering, reading about our founding fathers, economics from a capitalist perspective, wisdom from modern patriots? Welcome to UncleSamBooks.com, where virtues like rugged individualism, hard work, and the American dream dominate. UncleSamBooks.com. Great books for homeschooling. UncleSamBooks.com. If you want to become as strong and muscular as possible with health in mind and without lowering yourself to using steroids, the best advice can be found in the classic strongman books of long ago. These are the best books ever written on the subjects of strength training, weightlifting, strongman training, iron game history, and old time physical culture. Many of them can still be found at physicalculturebooks.com. There you will find good Honest, time-tested wisdom from the great old-time strongmen. To maximize your natural muscular and strength potential, please visit
5: physicalculturebooks.com. Listen to Ken Manny, head strength and conditioning coach at Michigan State University, describe the book Iron Nation. A masterpiece text on some of the most intriguing and compelling personal stories, iron game history, and gut-wrenching training routines ever put to paper. If you truly love hard training without all the frills of pomp and circumstance so common today, you will love Iron Nation. Written by lifters for lifters. If you love weight training, you will love Iron Nation. Order now at ironnation.com. That's nation.com. If you would like to promote your business on Mindforce Radio, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know if you are interested in a 30- or 60-second voice commercial or a banner website ad. Please contact Bob using the contact information provided on MindforceRadio.com.
0: You're listening to Natural Strength
1: Night on Mindforce Radio.
3: I've just carried that on, as as time has gone on now, you know, this coming into my fifties, I wanted to look good for my photo shoot and not embarrass myself, because it'd been a, a while since I'd had my shirt off, it'd been a, a while since I'd trained really hard, um, with obviously what we'd been through in the last sort of three years, so it was a little bit of a, a, a comeback to myself to prove that I still had, had something in me, and um, you know, so that's, that's why that condition came in, and it wasn't hard to pull together, it was probably about 12 weeks. Um, you know, no CV, just just, just intensify the training, a little bit more focus.
0: Oh, that's great, Ian. I know that you do a lot of work for cancer research. Please tell us more about that and how you get involved with it.
3: Right, right, I will. Now, um, last year, and it's hard to, obviously hard for me to say, but last year my wife passed away. It was last February, so we're coming up to the anniversary of her death, you know, shortly. Now, she'd been given uh, a year prior to that, um, you know, well no, she lived actually a lot longer than they gave her, she had a year's treatment uh, for cancer, she died of cancer, uh, and then she lived another 18 months, well after she had the year's treatment they gave her a year to live, and she managed to live another 18 months after that. Now, with my wife being really poorly and not being able to do anything about it. You know you know as you are as, as a man. You, you want to protect your family. You want to protect your wife. You, you, uh, you've, you've stood and done everything she's ever asked you to do. Now, here's something now that you can't help with, you cannot do anything about. So I directed my attention to trying to raise money. My frustration and anger went into something else. And in the space of two years, I think we managed to raise, obviously my wife doing the... Um, The admin work and you know the the, the things we needed to do and me doing doing the things, with all the friends and that around me, we managed to raise uh, about thirty eight thousand pounds, which which is a substantial amount of money. We raised that for cancer research because if Louise had been um, diagnosed properly, she wouldn't have died. If she had a misdiagnosis, which um, which we didn't want that to happen to anybody else. Now, Louise, at that point, had a, a case to go and, um, you know, to try and, you know, take this further. Actually, you know, there's, there's been a mispractice there. But she didn't want the stress. She didn't want to take any money away from the, um, you know, obviously, the, the government and to where it should be going. So we we turned our attention rather to something negative to something positive, And we tried to make other people aware and tried to raise money for cancer research as much as possible. We did, we did a few things, we did like a little challenge, it was called the three challenge, which was strength, fitness and agility, a little bit like CrossFit, and uh, we set that up and we had a lot of really good competitors in that, a lot of close close friends, all you know stood by me and um, you know we managed to raise a lot of money with that. And then uh, later on, then Louise, ended, um, she did end up in an hospice towards the end. Now the hospice was, was not far away from, from where we live, and they were just unbelievable because it, this hospice as well is, is not government funded. It has to, have to be funded by people, you know, raising money. So, you know, I obviously felt for this as well, and I raised as much money as I could for the hospice. So I turned my attention back to them and, and the nurses in there and the absolutely awesome people. What what work, you know, in, in that in that place is, is just, you know, all, I, I don't know how to do it. I really don't know how they do it. They're just special people. They're they're angels, really. You know they are. Mm It's unbelievable. And so God bless you, Ian. I I mean,
0: now, Ian, you're you're a special person too. I mean, that's thank you. Unbelievable story. I mean, fantastic. I mean, you're 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 very very moving story. And uh, tell us about because you told me earlier that um, about one of the fundraising things that you did involving exercises. Tell us a little bit about that.
3: Yeah, well, I thought, what can I do to, to raise money? What can I do what's going to rally people around where I can, like, put some buckets out and also put, like, a, you know, like a a, a page, you know, where people can actually, you know, donate. And so what I decided on doing is, because a movement I'm really good at is, is chin-ups, uh, I thought, right, I'll see. Um, it, was, it was my 49th birthday, and I thought, right, I'll see if I can do... 490 chins in 49 minutes. So what I actually ended up doing was, I thought oh, I'll just carry on. I did 500 chin-ups in in an hour. So um, I basically wow. did them with um, 10 at a time. I kept doing 10, get off, 10 back on, and obviously it's 50 sets of 10. And and it actually wasn't a problem. I could have carried on, you know. That, uh, but you know, a lot of people around me cheering me on. Everybody came down to watch at the gym. You know, it was, it was a really special day, and we raised a lot of money for the hospice, which was, which was really good. I think something around um, 12000 I think, the raised that day. Um, and then what what else I've done is um, I thought, what else can I turn my talent to to help raise money? And another talent I have is, is art. When I was a kid, I was only good at two things. Um, one was art. The other one was sport. Obviously, the sport side of things is, is what I've done with my training, and the other thing was with art, I can basically draw anything. You know, um, I've got one of those those eyes which can see something. I can, I can, you know, duplicate it onto paper. Now I started to do some uh, some artwork. So people would commission my my skills as, as an artist, and I would draw on something. I did like um, a picture recently of uh, Paul Anderson. I did one of obviously one of my heroes, which was uh, Vince Garonda, for another friend of mine, and they paid money uh, to the hospice. So I would say, for instance, my we won at the moment, which is a Tyson one, you know, the box Boxer Tyson, for another mm-hmm. uh, another friend and client. And he said, look, how much is it going to cost me? I said, well, the amount of work in that is probably about £200. So what I'll do is I'll finish that drawing, frame it, and that person will give £200 to the hospice. So the money doesn't come to me, just straight to the hospice. And in the last few months, I think the last six months, there's been over £1,000 raised there as well. I uh, know the hospice doesn't even know it's coming from me. I just I just get on with it, and, uh, you know, I have, like, a little page, which is just off my Facebook page. So people have been, like, obviously commissioning me for work, and and it's, and it's, I really enjoy it. If I've got some some chill-out time, you see, drawing to me is a little bit like meditation because you can be drawing for six hours and it feels like six minutes because you get lost in actually what you're doing. It's, it's a, a mind chill. Very, very good. I enjoy, really enjoy it.
0: If some people want to donate money for cancer research
3: yes. where should they go? The, if, if they go on to the Yorkshire Cancer Research site and that'll be just YorkshireCancer.co.uk um, and then what they'll have is the Yorkshire Cancer Research site there They can donate that. Now I say the Yorkshire area because the Yorkshire area for us is the biggest research area in Europe that's why I did it for this area not just because I live in the Yorkshire is because it, the money will will be um, best served here rather than anywhere else around the country, because we do have some of the top cancer hospitals in in the in Europe, in this in this part of the country. So that that is Correct. one of the areas. The other one is, if people went to my Facebook page, a link to my Facebook page is Ian Duckett Art. Now that has a link to the Wakefield Hospice, which is where Louise spent her last weeks, and, um, and and the people go in there and, and they're there on their you know, they're obviously pain management and the 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 helped in their last weeks, days and you know, the people in there are absolutely fantastic and, and they they need a million pounds a year to keep that place open. And uh, my little bit is a drop in the ocean to what they need. But if everybody does that, you know, it all comes to something big. Lots of little drops can make a river. You know, and that's that's the key there is is everybody, even if it was just a pound donation, it all adds up.
0: Ian, we have time for one last question. Out of all your bodybuilding titles, which ones are you the most proud of and why?
3: Right, I've got two here, right. One was uh, 1995, which was the the first Britain win I did. Well, no, sorry, the second British win. Because in 1988, I won the novice Britain, which was you, you compete from junior, then you go into a novice section. Uh, and then I won the, the British finals in that novice section and there, any shape or size or weight. So that was quite hard to win being a little guy. But then I had obviously 88, well probably six or seven attempts of trying to win the lightweight British title. So I was always coming second. Every time I entered, I came second. I kept being the bridesmaid <laughs> but never the winner. And then in 1995, I actually won it and that was in a, 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 was on my 30th birthday. Um, and I was really happy to win that. The next title, um, my main one, because then after the British, I was trying to win the Pro-Am, which was uh, another major stepping stone in natural bodybuilding in this country, which is where they get all the Britain winners together, and they invite you to a main competition where you win prize money, uh, and that, that was the Pro-Am which I won 2007. A few weeks later, I went on to win the World 2007, and I've been in my the 40s there, so it was really good to win against the younger lads uh, at an older age. And um, that was where I brought in uh, a really good condition. So then the major shows, ninety five and 2007, was, was a really good year I'll never forget.
0: That's awesome, Ian. Uh, just so our listeners know, what, what is your height and weight? Because you, you mentioned that you were a little guy.
3: Right. I'm only five foot three, which is, which is really quite funny because um, my wife... My wife, Louise, was six foot, and we were the best of friends for, for I mean, more than 27 years, you know, as well as being husband and wife. Now, my kids, Molly, is 17, and she'll be five foot nine, is Molly, 17. Now, Louis is my little man. I call him a little man. He's about five foot <laughs> ten at 14. Wow. Um, I weigh probably, which is 100, uh, 154 Probably weigh about 160 pounds at the moment, and I'm five foot three. Now, wow. I, if I was in competition shape, I'd probably weigh about 147 to 148. Is my sort of best look. It's where I'm the most lean. And generally, what I would do is hover around 152, 55, somewhere around there. But so now, at the moment, I'm five or six pound above what I would normally be for powerlifting. Uh, hmm. Uh, My sort of strongest, um, my best, my best strongest area is 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 uh, is my back. Um, I would, I I, obviously I've told you what I've done with chins as far as I can do with reps. But things Mm -hmm. to give you an idea of my my strength levels, I've actually done three chin-ups with 60 kilo around my waist. That's three 20 kilo plates. I can deadlift. I have deadlifted five plates aside, which is what 220, I think, in kilos. And I've, I average, you know, can quite easily any day of the week do four and a half plates a side. Um, benching is not a very strong suit for me. I might only do 105, 110 kilo in that. But having said that, that's off the pins in, in, in a power rack from a dead stop. These are all movements which are done, you know, obviously competition style. My squatting is my weakest point of the moment because nine months ago I had a. Uh, a terrible injury where I fell forward with 160 kilo, and I damaged my knee and uh, and my, my quad and it left my leg black and blue for weeks, um, you know, with obviously I, I really torn some tissue in there. So my squatting is just coming back now and the other week I did 140k. I'm looking to get to about back to 160, 170k. These are all raw lifts, by the way, just with a belt. Um, and that is competition style squat, which is where you have to go with your... Obviously, you know this, where you being a powerlifter, where your hip has to go below your knee. Um, mm-hmm. Shoulder press is about seventy kilos standing shoulder press. Um, these are all really strict, non-grinding reps. The things where, uh, you know, as you age, you've got to go really careful. Obviously, as you're lifting heavy, it takes a lot more warm ups than it used to do in the old days, and I have to do the movements ridiculously strict. So I'm keeping in the strong groove, the strong playing of motion all the time and never getting out of that as as much as possible. Um, and, and that's pretty wow. much it. I generally do a lot of thick bars, like I mentioned earlier, thick bar curls and things. My arm workout, for instance, uh, to give you an idea of that, because a lot of people do far too much for those other body parts. Now, if I didn't chin and dip and bench press and shoulder press, I wouldn't have the arm size I've got now. So... Um, You know, I hardly do any curls. I might do some band pushdowns for my triceps, just with some bands, and to pump some blood into there. My bicep workout might be three sets of of thick bar curls. That's it. But, again, they're really strict, really concentrated movements.
0: Fantastic information, Ian. I guess that's going to do it. Ian, it was a real pleasure to speak with you. Before we hang up here, uh, Ian is going to give us his direct website again in a few seconds. And, Ian, good luck with your books and your bodybuilding competitions, and uh, thank you so much for being on the show.
3: Well, thank you, Bob. I really appreciate it. Thank you for asking me. It's, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And if anybody wants any other information about myself, there's a few articles on that on my site. It's www.bodyindesign all one word, bodyindesign.co.uk. If you can't find that, just search Ian it in Google, and it will come up with it. Thank Great. you very much, Bob.
5: Don't be a flamingo, you have to do your squats. Don't be a flamingo, real
1: lifters work their legs.
2: That's going to do it for this edition of Natural Strength Night on MindForceRadio.com. Please bookmark that website, MindForceRadio.com. Bob is always looking for new writers for naturalstrength.com who are old school, hardcore, write with passion, and have a strong anti-steroid stance. He also wants your training questions so they can be answered on the show. Please send your articles and training questions to Bob at mindforceradio at earthlink.net. Thanks for listening. See you next time.